Welcome to the Robot Podcast. I'm Fran Scott, maker, demonstration developer, and massive engineering fan. Every week, my guests and I will be exploring the exciting stories of how robots can, will, and are impacting our everyday life. From sorting food to cleaning our hospitals, from manufacturing cars to creating sustainable buildings, robots are pushing the boundaries to meet the demands and challenges of a changing world. And as technology improves, it is becoming easier for robots to adapt and perform multiple tasks that, behind the scenes, offer huge societal benefits. It's all about flexibility and simplicity. Who doesn't love talking about and, of course, stuffing our faces with food? But it's not just about what we consume. There's a lot going on behind the scenes to get food and drink on our tables. The EU food and drink industry employs 4.72 million people. And in half of the EU's 27 member states, the food and drink industry is the biggest manufacturing employer. And robotics play a huge part. According to a survey by the Association for Packaging and Processing Technologies, everyone knows that association, don't they? Almost a third of food processing and 94% of packaging operations are using robotics. And that is a number that is just continuing to grow. We live in a world where we want our food delivered to us almost instantly and we want it to be fresh and we need it to be sustainable. So how are all of those things possible? We'll be finding out about how the world of robotics is trying to achieve all of those things. Joining me are Mark Segura, who works for ABB, the Managing Director for Consumer Segments and Service Robots. Hello, Mark. Hello, Fran. Happy to be here. Great to have you with us. And Professor Simon Pearson, Director of the Lincoln Institute for Agri-Food Technology. Hello. Hi, Fran. Thanks for having me on. It's so good to have you here, and I can't wait to chat to you both. When we talk about robotics in the food and beverage industry, are we saying that we'll be like served by a robot in a supermarket? Like, is that a possibility? Mark, what do you think? Yes, actually, this is already a reality, but it depends uh, on the regions, on the, on the type of consumers and cities. For, for instance, in U.S., large cities, you have supermarkets like Walmart and others are already equipped with robots basically to prepare online orders to enable a drive through to pick them up. But if you go to Asia, where you have very crowded, populous cities, you have people passing by robotic kiosks uh, around the corner, again, to pick your online order, but in this case, in a different way. So most of the job, however, is still happening behind the scenes. And what sort of things are they doing behind the scenes? Well, the, the closer to us, to the consumers, as I said, is preparing the order or sometimes delivering the order in pickup points. If you go upstream, they are in fulfillment centers sorting the goods to prepare the individual orders. And even if you go into factories, e-commerce is enabling more customization. So you have robots preparing customized package, uh, gift packs, uh, bundles that uh, you purchase online. Makes sense. Makes sense. Simon, why do we need robots in the food and beverage industry? Every single member of the planet needs food, and it's keeping the prices of those foods down by driving productivity within the industry. So all societies benefiting from robotics in maintaining food prices at relatively low prices because it's driving productivity. In factories, though, they're doing challenging jobs. Often the food industry workplaces are 
what you call antisocial. So it might be in cold stores or places like that. It might be wet. So robotics are driving skills within the industry. We're getting new engineers coming through, driving productivity, and all of society are benefiting from those robotic applications. And how does it drive that productivity? Is it about doing it more quickly, more efficiently, for longer? All of the above. So they're doing challenging jobs. So that might be heavy lifting. So moving heavy boxes of food around uh, factories. They might be doing repetitive jobs. So picking and placing food from uh, production lines into cartons. That's a very repetitive job. So lots of the sort of dual repetitive jobs robots are really good at. And so that's where we're seeing robots come in. And then they're freeing up management time to, to do the management jobs. So it helps managers then do improve planning, improve logistics, improve the supply chain operations and all those sorts of things. So, so whilst robots are doing the, the difficult tasks, it's then freeing up management to do the more operational rewarding tasks. And Mark, what are your thoughts on this? No, I mean, totally agree with Simon. This is what robots have been helping for a long time, and they will only to expand in this mission. But the, they are also taking into some new missions, whereas for consumers, people want choice. I mean, people want choice and convenience. And we see that in the demand of the products, especially in food and beverage. People want healthy food and convenience. If you go to a supermarket, if you just think about uh, vegetables, so 15 years ago, we had just a raw vegetable. Then we start washing and cutting and bagging it. And now you have a, a big assortment of prepared salads. Okay? So robots are key to meet this demand because they enable this healthy food to be prepared conveniently. They enable an optimized supply chain. For example, the shelf time can be really enlarged because you have robots preparing the orders so producing the salads, preparing the order so you can directly ship to the shops. So in the end, you can process food quickly, get to the shelf quicker, enable this convenience and variety, and you minimize waste. So because robots could do it just so much faster than the humans could, then that means they would actually be on the shelves for longer, which meant profit. Profit. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So customers have what they want, but we make this from a business standpoint uh, sustainable. We enable robotics. We're the only way to enable this uh, win-win situation to happen. Yeah, we're very active in research on picking salad crops. What's driving that is demographics and these sort of mega trends of, of age in society, urbanization, things like that. If you look worldwide, the, the population's getting older. The average age of a farmer in Japan is 69. In the UK, it's 62. And there are fewer and fewer children of these farmers who want to come into farming. So demographics is a real problem. And some of these jobs are really challenging. You've got to be intrinsically very, very fit to harvest fruit and vegetables as, as a living. And then you've got this trend of urbanisation of populations going to urban centres. So globally, there's fewer and fewer people who want to come into the industry to actually do those arduous crop harvesting jobs. And that's where we're seeing this sort of real drive for robotics. This theme of win-win is coming out again. It's not just it seems about profit and doing things more efficiently. It's about meeting that that consumer demand and filling a gap that consumers and humans and workers aren't fulfilling for many reasons, which is really nice. It seems to me that the food industry is pushing itself so hard that it's actually making consumers increase their expectations. And with robotics, the food industry is able to live up to those expectations. Yeah, so we talk a lot, a lot about uh, vegetables, but I want to share also, of course, robots are, are processing food and fish as well. You've probably seen 
our Delta robots. They look like a very fast spider. These robots are designed to be extremely fast and they've been on the market for more than a decade and we are the market leader. A nice example is fish processing. We have robots on ships, on the ocean, as the fish comes to the processing line, our spider fast robots are processing the cod in the ship. So when it gets to the harbor, it's already packed. So there are amazing cases in a wide variety of, of food types. That's incredible. Mark, what I'd love you to do is sort of pick any food that you want and describe us the journey it goes through and where robots are used along the way. Let's take the salads again, if you want. Very familiar for all of us. Uh, As Simon said, in the very near future, we will have robots harvesting in the fields. There are companies that are actually doing it on very concrete products like strawberries that are, uh, let's say, easier to pick. That will happen outdoors, but this will happen indoors as we listen more about urban uh, farms or vertical farms where you are growing vegetables really with a mindset of industrial setup. Then you go into factories and uh, our onions would come with, with trucks into the washing lines. Some will go to just be packed as a single product. Many of them will go to mixing lines where robots are diverting and sorting them to create different type of salads. So robots are also doing the job of, of selection and sorting. And finally, then this is hitting the supermarket and supermarkets are receiving this. But it's not only about going to the shelf nowadays, which can be done by robots and will be done by robots. It's also about picking online orders on the drive through or on the parking lot. And hence, robots then are storing what comes from the truck and then they are retrieving it. So they are all over the journey. I can see them absolutely end to end in the supply chain. So basically, the only thing that robots don't do is eat it. For now, yes. (laughs) So Mark, that process that you've just described, what sort of time scale are we talking about? It's really fast. I mean, we're talking about Either fresh food or packaged food, in the end, food uh, has to be quickly delivered from, let's say, growing it up to, to the consumers. Trucks would arrive to a processing, and in less than 24 hours, everything has to be processed, and in less than half a day, things have to be in the shops. So we're talking about a, a turnover of, uh, of maybe 24 to 36 hours maximum, especially for the fresh food. It's very similar, though, for other types of foods. So from the food being picked to it being on our supermarket shelf is about a day. Day and a half, yes. Wow. And how important are logistics in the whole food and beverage industry? Well, crucial. It will be more important, much more important going forward. It's about fresh and healthy food and it's about convenience. If you want fresh food, you need to be fast. But if you want on top of that convenience, it becomes even more challenging because in between you need to process it, make this customization. Any minute loss here is money wasted because that food will not last long in the shelf. So logistics is crucial to optimize the value of the inventory, but at the same time, it's crucial to enable this customization. Otherwise, you will not make it. So In your opinion, are enough companies using robotics? And I'll send that one to Simon. No, there's more and more adoption, that's for sure. I think the food industry is behind automotive and and, uh, general manufacturing in terms of adoption of robotics. But the wave is coming. I I really, really do feel there's a huge amount of momentum now around food robotics and, and adoption. And that's been driven by more and more research, which is a great thing because there's some very challenging 
research questions that need to be solved, not least grasping manipulation of very biologically diverse objects. I think Mark's fishing example was brilliant. <laughs> you couldn't imagine that happening five years ago because of the movement of the boat and the robot. So research is really, really moving at pace and we're seeing more, more and more adoption. Now we are joined by Janet Bellamy, Associate Professor for Food Processing and Digitalization at the University of Lincoln. And Janet, you have 27 years experience of working in the food and manufacturing. You are going to make me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're making me feel very old now with the 27 years, but yes. So, Janet, my first question to you is, what are the most popular use of robots within the food and beverage industry? The one that everybody is familiar with is pick and place. And when, on, you Janet, s- when you say pick and place, I assume you basically mean pick and place? That's it. So it's literally selecting the product from the line, picking it up and placing it somewhere else. And that can be on another line, on another part of the process or within a finished box ready to go out to consumer. When you think about robots, you think about end of line, which is the packing stage where somebody's putting something into a box, because that's where we see the majority of robots. But what we're starting to see robots all the way through the process. So if we look at handling a a delicate food like pastries, for example, so we're no longer looking at handling pastries with end actuators or, or selectors or grippers that will damage that product, you know, we can suspend it now with air. So a bit like the way that a helicopter flies in that it creates this vortex of air and it actually suspends the pastry five millimetres away from the end of the actuator. So what you've got is this hovering pastry that hasn't been touched at all. So when you think about the implications of that for the industry, when you think about food safety, about quality, about contamination issues, it answers all of those those problems that we face on a daily basis and makes the whole thing just a lot more safer and better quality for the end consumer. The image I now have in my head is absolutely brilliant. Talk me through the process of these levitating pastries and what they go through. So when the pastries are manufactured, they're manufactured on an automated line. And the selection point of this particularly if you've got something with a flaky pastry or a shoe pastry, it's quite delicate. So what we had to do was design an end actuator that wouldn't damage that product. So an actuator is basically like the hands of the robot. That's it. So an actuator or an end effector is very much the bit that touches the product. So what's coming into contact on the line? What's doing the work? So in as in a human, your hands would do the work. With a robot, it's, it's the actuator or the end effector. It works on vacuum, so it will actually raise it, it sucks it up, it creates a vacuum between itself and the pastry, draws it up, and then it it moves it. So where it's situated, it's moving that pastry across the belt and into the packaging. So with these levitating pastries, um, I I just love saying that, how many pastries can be processed in this way? It depends on the speed of the robot, but you can go from anything from a 40 piece per minute to 280 pieces per minute. It really just does depend on the robot. There's lots of potential there. And if you think about a human trying to pick that at at that speed, you would need a serious crew of people to do it. The other thing is that if you've got a line that's running at a slower speed, you can multitask the robot so they can do other jobs as well. They don't just have to do that one job. So there's an opportunity to develop secondary or, you know, third tasks that that robot does whilst it's on the line. Because 
sometimes you expect these things to be expensive. They're not as expensive as you would imagine, but you need to get the best return on your investment. So you want it to be able to multitask and do lots of functions on that line. That is incredible. 240 pieces per minute. Even up to 280 on some, but it, it depends on the robot and the application. And I love the idea of one arm of the robot doing some one task and then another arm doing another task. It would just be mind-blowing and something that a human could potentially do with a lot of training and practice, but not straight out the box, so to speak. And not consistently either, because you get distracted. The difference is, as the robot is working, it's building up its artificial intelligence and it actually gets faster. It doesn't get slower. So it remembers things that have happened before and it uses that to form this judgment and actually make its selections. So it, it remembers situations and it remembers products and faults. So these companies that are using these robotics, what sort of impact is this having on the company? A massive impact. And if I just compare a standard pick and place end of line robot. So if we if we take Amazon as a business, Amazon select most of their packages through an automated roboticized system and their packing costs are less than a penny a case. If we take a standard food and drink factory that's packing and distributing, picking onto pallets, it's around 16 to 21 pence per case. So if you think about that, just that initial cost saving, and as I said, it's not about taking labor out. You're still using those, those people in other areas, but you're using them on more skilled tasks. You're upskilling them with training and support, and they're actually making effective decisions. They're problem solving, which, which you're not expecting the robots to do. But in terms of those mundane tasks, it's a penny a case versus 20 pence per case potentially. So you've got the money saving aspect. Anything else? Safety. You know, when you look at some of the situations that we're working in with repetitive strain injury, musculoskeletal issues, we know that that is one of the biggest issues for the food and drink and manufacturing as a whole. You're reducing that exposure to those musculoskeletal problems. From a quality point of view, you've got good control over the quality, your food hygiene. These things are very flexible. They're agile. They're quick to change over. It's easier to keep them clean. So all of those combined with those productivity benefits and the flexibility that we're now seeing with robotics, it really is a big move forward for the food and drink industry, I think. So we can use robots to package our fish. We can use robots to cut down handling of pastries. How do we make sure that we've got these robots handling our food directly? And of course, in the light of COVID, how do we make sure that they're handling them so it's still safe for consumption? This, this is a very important issue. I would say in food industry, food safety is the number one non-negotiable thing. And that's, that's good. It is like that. For example, the materials they are built of have to be food safe. They have to be anything from the coating to the beatings to the joints to the lubricant inside the gearboxes has to be something that if you eventually would fall or get in contact with the food is safe for people. As an example, the oil inside the gearboxes, you could fry some fries with it. But it's also about how you can wash it. Every day you need to wash the food processing equipment and, and, and in very harsh conditions. 
hot pressure, high temperature water with some detergents. So the robots have to be able to cope with that. There has to be no cavities where bacteria could grow. So there's a number of design criteria spanning from choice of materials, choice of uh, design of equipment that needs to be fulfilled. So what you're saying is that the robots are 100% safe, as you said, and I really like that phrase, food safety is a non-negotiable. But there's a difference between having, say, a strawberry that is safe to eat and a squashed strawberry. How do you ensure that these robots can handle our food not only safely, but in a way that the food needs to be handled? That's where the research and innovation is really now driving forward. Where food is really complex is it's non-structured, it's biologically diverse. So we've got to develop technologies which cope with that diversity. And that means very advanced artificial intelligence machine learning to image food structures. So strawberries is a great example. Where is it? How do I then target it and pick it? You've then got to have um, manipulators and graspers which then move in, pick it by the stem. So, So you've got to have very, very novel grippers and manipulators to remove that food. And then you've got to have autonomous vehicles which then can move around farms autonomously, navigate in very difficult environments, or around factories in very difficult environments, coping with lots of um, legacy equipments. We're seeing new generations of technologies, particularly around AI, machine learning, image recognition, that really, really are now unlocking robotics for the food industry. Okay, so robots do handle our food, either directly or with airstreams, with our levitating pastries. Um, But what about actually delivering our food. Are we at the point where a robot could deliver our weekly shop? Well, delivery and convenience is becoming more and more important when uh, consumers made their choice. But of course, when we talk about home delivery, the things that we could imagine that are also starting to be pilot in terms of automation are either drones or mobile robots that would go through the streets uh, to deliver food. So robots can be stationary robots that are preparing orders at any pickup point or robots will become mobile, either mobile robots or even flying robots, drones in this case. And this sounds like it's something sci-fi and way in the future. But Simon, these things are happening now? They're happening today, yeah. So you're already seeing lots of automation in the warehousing side. But even in the UK, so in Milton Keynes, there's a lovely example where where the robot uh, vehicles, which are trundling around Milton Keynes, delivering food to the home. It's extraordinary. So these are only test things now, but they're coming. They're they're examples. They're on the streets. So so watch out. (laughs) And what do they look like? Think of a a large box with four wheels (laughs) and an aerial, and that's... These things aren't huge, but they've got electric batteries, they've got GPS systems which are localising them. So a huge amount of technology packed in a very small box along with your food. (laughs) Let let me explain to you also how robots are helping restaurants already and and, uh, food service industry. And again, this is nothing into the future, but we're working now very intensively in China. You know, so we're working with one of the larger restaurant uh, companies in China. They came to us and said, look, we want to robotize our restaurants. Look, robots will bring all these benefits known, productivity, safety, consistency. But more importantly, robots will bring digitalization to our restaurant. They will be born digital because robots can repeat consistently any recipe. So the goal is that you would offer a menu on your app, on your phone, but then you have your own profile. So you can customize the existing recipes. You can add a little bit more of vinegar, make it more spicy, and then you would go, you would have your own 
You probably have your own secret recipe of the noodles, but they go beyond that because all these data from the apps about your personal choices, machine learning is going to use it in the background to process it and create and propose new recipes for you, personalized campaigns. They will personalize anything on the restaurant and the robot will be able to execute it. So this is bringing a total new different business model for when, when it comes to demand generation and customer experience. And that's only possible if you have robots cooking uh, for you. That's amazing because just like on your Netflix when it says you've watched this, so you might like this. And so it, basically the machine will just give you recommendations, but then you as the human make the final choice. Exactly. The same thing will be possible in our restaurants, thanks to robotics and AI. And so if we are to look to a future, what are the next big things that you're both excited about in the food and beverage industry? Most of our research now is really at at farm level. We need lots of new innovation, what's called service robotics. And so that's the AI machine learning to support people picking fruit, picking vegetable, moving produce around farms to pack houses. That's where there's a a real rich vein of innovation coming at the moment. I I think that's very exciting. I think in three to five years, we could literally have fully robotic farms and that will be a step change. That's a game changer. And you, Mark? I agree with Simon. I mean, robots have been at the core of of the food industry, meaning more processing and and packaging. But uh, they are expanding to both ends, upstream to agriculture, but also downstream, as we said, not only on the processing, but very much important on the distribution through this omni-channel revolution. Otherwise, it's not possible. Many of the the online groceries are losing on a $100 purchase. They still today may be losing seven to ten dollars but they want to keep the customer so this has to change and automation and robotics is the key but even beyond on the survey robotics side we talk about robots in restaurants either in the kitchen or either as waiters robotics also will have a role closer to the consumers yeah i've seen um i can't remember which country it was in but i've seen robot making ice cream and serving ice cream to the specific order and it became a bit of a I suppose a tourist attraction in a way. Absolutely. We, we have some retailers that are looking at robotics also from a marketing perspective. This uh, ice cream robot, we have a great example in Melbourne in Australia with a company called Niska. But we've also had robots at Bloomingdale's in New York City to increase food traffic in the store. There will be more applications for robotics that we can ever imagine as they become more widely used by different type of customers. Um, this has been absolutely wonderful. And this all this talking about food, obviously I'm now absolutely starving. Um, but that That is all we have got time for this week. A massive thank you to Mark Segura, Professor Simon Pearson and Janet Bellamy. Next time, robotics are hitting the road. We'll be exploring the electrifying future of cars. Please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe to the Robot Podcast so you never miss an episode. I'm Fran Scott and this has been a Fresh Air production for ABB. Part of the ABB Decoded series. 